Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cantina MX Football Podcast. We're on episode 270. A lot to cover tonight. A lot of controversy revolving around Noel Guzman and his remarks as Tigres head to Qatar to represent not Mexico, but themselves in the Club World Cup. Chivas are in crisis mode. And some more Matias Almeida rumors, this time to Chile. That and obviously recapping match week four. But before I go any further, let's welcome the boys. How we doing, boys? Boys, what's going on? <laughs> Should I said gentlemen? Doing well, man. Doing well. How's it going? That's good. Same. Same with me. I'm fine, despite my coats being the opposite. Yikes. <laughs> yep. It is. Uh, Kraken. Was the Kraken released? Is that what happened? That is. Uh, <laughs> that is the. The Chivas cry right now. They are currently in second to last place. They've only mustered two points in four games. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. As of right now, we are watch. Uh, there's still some action going on around the league with Leon uh, beating Leon. Uh, sorry, Atlético San Luis two one minute eighty six. Ah, sorry three one. They just scored Juan Meneses. So it looks like they're on way to victory. I, I want to start off with Nahuel Guzman. He uh, was, I think they landed in Qatar and they had some cameraman recording them and he said some mean stuff. <laughs> Were you guys able to see that clip? I had seen a clip. I think he had already said it where he was talking about Tigres was representing Tigres, not Mexico. And I yeah. feel that it's, it's, um, he probably said it to court controversy or it's something that, that the club is telling the players, you know, I'm guessing because I haven't heard anyone from the club, like the coach or, higher up come and say you know just come in and and say about what what the club is what the club's take is on it um but yeah i i feel that especially for him you know argentine coming from argentine he should know because even 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 when those teams were like if you see their stories from going back when they started um, before they had like Libertadores, they would all like, you could hit, like, I think it was Independiente, the first team to, to win it. And, and you could see the history and how pretty much they were all shelling for that team to win it because they know that it would benefit the league, you know, it would bring prestige. And so in a tournament like, like Club World Cup, I do think, um, and and we talked about this, Jaime, on one other podcast, how 
Tigres wants to be considered a grande. Yep. This this is one of the tournaments where if you do good, like you don't even have to win it. You just have to play really good, look really good. You win over a lot of fans. And if they did win it, that would be like almost almost automatic, you know? Absolutely. Oh, I'm actually gonna be able to play back the clip. Let's it's very short, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play back. Hay que disfrutar. Estas cosas se disfrutan. ¿Es parecido al Mundial de Selección? No, este es un Mundial de Clubes. Donde vamos a representar solamente a Tigres. Y no vamos a representar a nadie más que quiera colgarse de nuestras tetas. Yo me refiero a la emoción, al disfrute. Ya diste feria de más. There you go. For those that don't speak Spanish, you know, he basically said that we're only representing Tigres. We're not representing Mexico. Everyone's holding on to our tits or clinging on to our tits. And uh, that's a very... Dis- yeah, well, ba- Go ahead. He's basically saying, um, yeah, people that want to jump into the bandwagon. Ah. He's saying if you weren't cheering for Tigres before this tournament, then don't. Don't don't come in, you know. Yeah. For me, it's it, that's a very disappointing attitude. You know, I understand having this chip on your shoulder. You know, being considered a little giant. You know, you're you're trying to you're trying to prove to your your bigger brother that you're not a little kid anymore. And you know, you finally you finally get that the international trophy with the Conca Champions. You finally get that you know that monkey off your back, and. uh Here's the thing, you know, there's a lot of people right now looking at Liga Mekis, uh, a lot of people that don't know who to root for. They're actually new to, you know, this entire league and they they just want a team to support. And this is a great opportunity, like you mentioned, you know, for, for, for Tigres to, to throw the net out there and, and get some, some new fans, you know, some neutrals, some people that are on the sidelines that just want to find a team in Mexico to support. And, um, you know, when you, when you make those kind of remarks, you're like, all right, well, maybe, maybe I'll look at a different team. Maybe I'll look at a different club. <laughs> and, and Hyman, there are, and, and Chiquis, there are a lot of fans in Max whose teams disappeared. Oh, yeah, that's a great the, point. The Veracruz, the Jaguares, the, yeah, um, the, um you have the just, Lobos, re- Buap. You, just <laughs> recently we had Morelia, Monarcas. And Morelia. So there's there's a lot of fans right now. They're like homeless. They need they need a place. And this Tigres guy, instead of opening the door, he's like, oh, you know, we're full. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for 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 some context, so uh, Tigres are on their way to Qatar to compete in the Club World Cup. They won the Conca Champions final against LAFC. And they play, how exciting, they play on Thursday at 6 a.m. against the Tigres of Asia, Uslan. They have the same logo and everything. They have, well, not the same logo, but they have the same uh, mascot and the same colors, blue and yellow. And it's a, so it's, it's a clash of the Tigers. It's crazy. I, what, what are the chances of that happening? Yeah, it's, you know. 
But but let's see, let's see, man. We've seen some of these Mexi teams crash, and yeah. even though we don't we don't hear about this, some of these teams sometimes they're they're filled with Brazilian ringers, man. They'll have uh, former World Cup players that we forgot about, <laughs> or they'll have or they'll have a really good coach. Um, you know when the, the team that the Chinese team that eliminated America, and they had um, Felipao, you know. Yeah, a World Cup, a World Cup champion coach, uh, and you know who's, who's very accomplished, and he had a couple of Brazilians that that had been in Selección or like or been in like top teams, like Robinho, I believe he was in that team, and so it's interesting, man, and, and I'm not too sure because I haven't, you know, because because some of those teams. They get players and coaches, but they don't stay that long. They'll, they'll be there like six months, a year, maybe two, and then that's it. And yeah. so I don't know. I don't know if how often, if it's that they already had the players or if they just juiced up just for the tournament, you know? And um, so I haven't looked into the other Tigers uh just to see, you know, just to see who, what squad they have. But we should, um, if only there was a way to find that out. If only there was a way. <laughs> hey, man, I got to go back and uh, discuss the Noel comment. Let's hear it. Yeah, we're still, we're Cause, still on him, Cheekies. Yeah, because the, uh, Martin had sort of, Martin has coming up always with some interesting comments on all this stuff. Um, I sort Martin of agree. Del Palacio? Del Palacio, yeah. I, I sort of okay. agree with like Noel Noel. I think, you know, it's it's cool to go and represent yourself and not have the pressure of saying I'm taking on the whole country and uh, of Mexico and you know other fans like Chivas fans, America fans, um Rayados fans, why would they root for a rival or a, an opponent just because they're from Mexico? And uh, Martin, his point was that it's interesting that it comes from, he says, only Argent, Argentinians. So I don't know if some other comment or some other RG uh, made a comment similar. Um, and if it wasn't just Noel who said, you know, we're just going there representing ourselves. We're not representing Mexico or, or Liga Mex. Um, so he was talking about it being an Argentina thing. And then he goes off on like the passion and... The, the culture of, of football in Argentina that some people might think it's better because of like the craziness of the fans, the dangerous um, environment sometimes that it exists, the rivalries and violence and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, yeah. some people think that Argentinian culture or football culture is better. And he's, his opinion was that it wasn't. And then I started going off on the whole thing about passion and this guy, Comedia Max, he always, he always converses with uh, Martin um, pretty pretty well thought out guy sort of was convincing me because <laughs> like a, a lot of what I think is like the passion of Argentina and Brazil is what produces well, is part of a big part of what produces their good players all over the world. And, uh, but this, this, I sort of made me think of Noel not wanting the pressure of taking on the whole country, uh, you know, on their shoulders and them being the representatives. And, uh, so that was sort of like, you know, just different aspects of what reasoning. I don't know what his true reasoning is for that, but yeah, that's 
that was just some thoughts on, you know, can he handle the pressure? Is he not being able to handle the pressure? Or why is he acting out like that? It is, it is in a way like, like chest thumping and it's a whole thing about the club. Yeah. And then that's what I'm saying, though, if you look into the Argentine history, they weren't like that, like rivalry wise until after they won a few cups, you know, so you could see, you know, how they, how they'll be like documentaries. And um, I remember seeing one and I'm pretty, this was a while back, so I'm pretty sure it was Independiente and, and how the whole country was behind them, you know just to to win that that Libertadores tournament. And uh, that's, maybe that's you forgot. Point. Maybe yeah, you I forgot. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yes. And I, I do sort of recall that a little bit. Um, of course, I'm from a U.S. perspective. I don't know how it was like okay. in Argentina and stuff. But I, you know, if it comes to Conca Champions, I think that's that's another story. Uh, when it comes to Libertadores, though, Max League still needs. You know, they need that. They need that some of that rep international, and that's the same right now with clubs World Cup. Um, it's something that benefits the whole league. Yeah, and and I think Nahuel, in and of himself, benefits the league. Like his mere comments of saying that brings uh, a spectacle to the league, and some people might not like that, but I enjoy it. Like I I love Nahuel the way his antics, and sometimes he costs Tigres um, goals. <laughs> Like coming out half half midfield and stuff and doing crazy th- crazy things, but he's bringing interest in this, and uh, and he always does that. And another thing of interest that's sort of different and not really off topic, but uh, there's another clip. I don't know if Jaime saw this one, where he was uh, he was on the bus and Gignac was like telling him get Tuca get Tuca because he was sleeping on the bus and he was like video he was uh, recording a video of Tuca like sleeping. I saw that. And, <laughs> and they're like, I don't know if they're what were they singing or something. And Tuco's getting mad, dude. They're just like, you know, they're just little kids trying to wait, you know, bother their dad who's trying to get some sleep. And yeah, I know Tuco needs to control those dudes, man. Fedetti just looks so grump. He's he's already a grump. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you know, That's it just. Hilarious. I think it just goes to show how close they are, you know, how, how tight of a unit they are. At least those, you know, parts, you know, you have like your certain players that just can get away with murder, you know, and that's just, but it's only certain players. Um, I think uh, when I read uh, Ferguson's book, Sir Alice Ferguson, he said, you know, there are some players that he, he let them get away with murder, you know, like Eric Cantona and, and then there's players like Beckham where he threw a cleat at his face. You know, it's just like there's just, di- you know, it's just different personalities. He he knew which players, you know, could rub him the wrong way and, and he would have to just bite his tongue. And then he knew how to read other players that needed that sort of, you know, discipline. Um, yeah. I will These say, are top players. Yeah. He's like, like Gignac in the chat. It even shows in the chat. Gignac puts uh, Tuca Cagón. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, dude, that's your coach you're talking. That's the that's the same guy who, in like videos past, was like yelling at players for not kicking it right, and then he goes and like kicks an awesome goal oh, to man. show them how to do it. And uh, and but now these, I mean, Juniak is a big big name dude, right? So yeah, that that, that that clip of uh them at, in training and practice, and he's like screaming at the top of his lungs, and you know, showing them how to hit the volley. I, that's yeah. one of the most satisfying videos I've seen because he actually ended up doing it, you know, striking the ball correctly. 
Oh yeah. And like, well, he's man. That's Tuka's. That was all his specialty as a player, man. He had, wow. he had like you know, what they what they call like an iron leg or something. But he would, he was known for just really strong, hard strikes. That's uh, how they beat America in what was it, '91, I think. Tuka Fierrazo from outside the box scores that that the match winner. That's ninety. That's nineteen ninety one. For our listeners who uh, weren't born then, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that will be uh, <laughs> a lot of them. But um, I kind of want to paint the picture for the Club World Cup. So uh, Tigres ended up playing earlier this week, uh, last week. They played on a Thursday against Necaxa. One-one uh, was the final score. Carlos Salcedo um, was able to to rescue a point for for Tigres. Then they go right to Qatar. And uh, uh, mentioned it in, in a podcast or two ago that New Zealand's uh, Auckland City, they ended up uh, forfeiting their match. They did not go to Qatar. They just thought that it was too dangerous, too risky during a COVID pandemic. And, you know, New Zealand's a very small country. So if a handful of people get infected, like half the population will. So uh, the, the, the team, uh, Al Duhail, is going on to the next round already. So there's only going to be two matches, Tigres versus Uslan Hyundai FC, and then the Al Duhali versus Al Ali. So the winners of those two matches will play against Palmeiras and Bayern Munich. And uh, I want to talk about Libertadores for a little bit because uh, they were the last team to qualify for this tournament so in theory they're the team that's you know in best form right now Palmeiras and Santos played in the final it was very tedious very very frustrating to watch not much action on both sides and I thought the game was going to go into penalties ended up going to the 90 99th uh, stoppage time because there was an incident on the field one of the coaches got a red card got into a fight but Palmeiras ended up scoring a header in the last play of the game, uh, winning the tournament. Uh, Santos players were on the field crying because they couldn't believe it. But for me, all this goes to show is how badly Mexico needs to go back and compete in Libertadores because I'm not impressed and I feel like the the, the tables are, 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 are at least... Mexico's stepped up, man. I think they're at a level um, where they could compete and, and get to finals or semifinals. I think they're at that level. And, and but I, they've been. Yeah, go ahead. I don't mean to cut you, man, but they've been at that level. I mean, the Cruz Azul reaching the final against Boca. What was that? 2001. Yeah, see, so that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. And so, yeah, Mexico has been at that, but for different reasons, um, and and you know back then Conmebol was really, you know, they just didn't want Mex to to win it, so they would they would a lot of times they would have rules, you know, like if the final was played, like if, if a Mex team reached the final, the South American team would uh, the second leg would be at their house. Yeah, they'd close no, in no in matter, South America. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. No yeah. matter what. A Mexican team so can go on a perfect run in group stage and in, and then the you know second uh, 
second round, and they would still play on the road. And there was another one where they were threatening. One time they were threatening to find Santos or take points because they didn't have lights. You know, this is back then, you know, pre-Orleggy, pre-Orleggy days. They were threatening them because they didn't have, like, like night lights. And, um... Was that so the... I think they had them installed. I think they had some of them installed. That was at the old stadium, right? And... Dorion? Yeah, yeah, at the, at the Corona. I don't know if the new one is still called the same. I, but then um, we saw, like, a week later, someone in the Solent Club is playing, and, and dude, they, they didn't even have... They didn't even have the night lights. Wow. Um, so there was a lot of bias like that. Uh, you know, it's crazy how Santos went from no lights to their new stadium and having the lights on for their female games cost them more money. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, than they could make from the, from the match. But, but yeah, it's, 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 they were, they were, so they, they were, you know, they were like, I wouldn't say scared, but they were worried. They were worried. And, oh, yeah. and, um, and when some Mex teams took, took it serious, they did, they, they got a lot of good results. Uh, but somewhere down the line, a, a bunch of clubs just were like, you know what? I, I'm not going to care about the tournament. <laughs> and I think that's where the league messed up. You know, because I, I do think, and, and in that time, we saw other clubs, you know, like, um, I think it's Olympia, and you were saying it the other day from Ecuador, I don't know if it was Quito, or Emelec, I don't know, some, but, and then I think it was Cienciano from Peru, so we saw a couple, a couple of these teams that, you know, Liga MX is easily on that level or higher, mm-hmm. win the tournament win the tournament so i do think yeah if if the mex teams went in and if they were like serious and determined because that that's that's the thing that got me about chivas when when what was it 2011 when they reached the final Uh uh-huh and that's what pissed me off because it was 2010 um, right 2010 yeah so far back but but it was like uh so so just just to go back it's when it was the the um, fiebre porcina, the swine flu, and the Chilean teams did not want to play Chivas because they were saying that they were going to get infected. H1N1. <laughs> and then, um, and so they booted Chivas out of the tournament. 2009. And, yep. Yeah. And so then um, Mex threatened to, like, you know what, we are, we're leaving and at that, that time, the main sponsor was Banco Santander, and they basically told Colmebol, you know, one of the big reasons we're sponsoring the tournament is because, you know, Mexican teams and the Mexican market and the U.S. and all of that stuff. And so they, Colmebol, you know, they bent the knee, and they, and they told Chivas, okay, next tournament, you guys are already qualified for the playoffs. It was, I was like, it was the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. It, it was, but but I mean, at that point, if you're Chivas and you know that you're coming in, you know, at playoffs, 
I mean, if you're management, you could have at least, and, and you know, you were allowed, what, three players? You mm -hmm. could have at least done that. And they didn't even, you know, it's like they didn't even care to do that. And so that that was disappointing. For, for me, like when I think about Libertadores and, and think about the way Mexico has been treated, they've disrespected us countless times. They found any way to give, put us at a disadvantage because they were threatened by, uh, imagine, you know, like you throwing a party and, and you invite this person that is uh, at your level, if not better, and then they end up being, you know, the popular one at the party where everyone wants to talk to them and then they forget about you, the host. So, you know, I feel like women always like looked at Mexico like, yeah, we'll invite you. You guys generate us a lot of money, but just don't win this thing. You know, don't, don't sleep with my wife, you know, <laughs> like, and it's like Mexico was going in there and they were, they were dominating teams. They were being very, very competitive. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Cruz Azul going to the final in 2001, uh, was it losing in penalties? Um, you know, who else went to the final? I know Chivas did, Tigres did. Tigres. Yeah. I said just three. And, just three, uh, and then a couple of teams made it to the semis. But, but you know, Jaime, a big, a big thing about like, like what they didn't want, because cause that's, that's their vitrina, you know, that's their showcase for talent and to sell them abroad. And so that's, that's oh. I think, was one of their worries. That Liga MX would, would steal some of that thunder, which they kind of did to the lower teams. So, like, if you were the Bolivian teams, the Venezuelan mm. teams, and now you're in the Mexico bracket, you know, now now there's, it, you know, less yeah. chance of, of, of your team going to advancing further. But, yeah, that's 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 one of the main tournaments where a lot of scouts would go. and and That's interesting. And then you could also raise the value of players, you know? You're doing really good. So now it's like, not only are you doing good in league, but also in Libertadores, which is one of the things that we've mentioned before about how Chicharo, we feel that's what got man used attention, you know, that he was doing good in in the in the Libertadores tournament. It, it also had to do with him getting capped you know, on the national team and, you know, somehow sliding into a World Cup roster like at the last second. Uh I know that there was No, no he he got he got before though. He they had already No, yeah. But I mean like signed him way the, before the before the whole World Cup no, yeah, the yeah. national I mean they signed him in May, you know, but um I will say though his debut with the Mexican national team was in February. You know, it was it was like very, very soon before the World Cup. It wasn't like a year before the World Cup. Um, and the goal he scored against New Zealand where he climbed in the air like freaking MJ and had the craziest header, craziest finish. He had missed one earlier too in that game, which is funny. But that goal is the one that sealed the deal. Uh, some of the I scouts was... looking at that at that match for for Manchester United said, "Yep, sign him, send the deal, send the deal." <laughs> it was insane, <laughs> and they felt confident that he was going to get a, a permit because he had a national, you know, team caps. Because that was also an issue, you know, getting a work permit in England was not going to be easy for uh, a player. That with, is true. I yeah. forgot about that. If but if you're 
if you're with the national team, yeah, then yeah, because the English league, you need you need to um, you need to have like some type of permit pass for foreigners, and being in the national team is like that feels like the requirement, and if you're not in the national team, you have to go through some other hurdles. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm looking at the at the numbers. He was capped for Mexico like at the end of twenty, uh, to, uh sorry, two thousand nine, you know. And then in twenty ten, he just took off, and he was able to again, like I mentioned, like secure a a World Cup spot, like year of the World Cup. It's 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 incredible. He just had a crazy crazy climb. Um. Let me let me get, ask you guys a question about Libertadores. What do you think will take for Mexico to go back into that tournament? Because for me, I think it's money. Yeah, it's money and television. But I think the whole television thing has changed a lot. Just what's going on in Mex where... It used to be like Televisa and then, and then just Televisa and TV Azteca. Now there's there's more there's more um, there's more open air TV stations now, and so there's more competition, and so we've seen them the top two lose power. They're not as you know as influential as they once were, um, and and a big sign was a few years. Back when neither neither Azteca nor Televisa had the rights to the Olympics, uh, it was Claro TV. I'm not sure that's what it's called in Mex, but it was it was a Slim's TV wow. station that had the rights. Um, so I think it was the Brazil one, the Rio Olympics. Um, okay. Yeah, and 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 that's the one where I think uh, Mex the under twenty three didn't qualify. And I remember hearing rumors that it was like on purpose. Hmm. That they once they lost the rights that they sort of or they did qualify but they tanked it. I I think it was one of those. I, I'll look it know, up right now. Always, 20, always spicy rumors. Twenty sixteen. There you go, was it in Brazil, Rio? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it was right after the World Cup. They had the Olympics. For me, I think that it all comes down to money. Mexico know that they are the cash cow. They're going to be the ones bringing in a crazy amount of views, at least from you know the states. And the problem is, here in the states, uh, BN Sports owns the rights to Copa Libertadores, which is not a channel that is very accessible. I know that uh, I looked it up earlier today. Fubo TV and Sling TV, uh, they you, it's it's available for streaming. And then as far as like the big the big television providers here, uh, I think only Dish Network. So it's like not too many, uh, you know, satellite or cable companies uh, actually offer BN Sport and. Um, I feel like Mexico for them to to start competing in Libertadores again, Comebol would have to give them a a reasonable offer. 
And I think that's why they haven't been able to get back into Libertadores is because the you know the money. Well, you know, it's also the league because it's like they go they go for like just a set amount, you know, uh, because you know what what you get. I don't think they go for them more as far mm. as um as far as it goes for like per match, you know. Then, then they already offer the other teams, so it comes down to like a TV deal, and and you know that's what I was mentioning. That's what I was mentioning Azteca and and Televisa because for years they basically had all the teams, and so they they kind of controlled, they kind of controlled, mm. but they don't control it anymore, and so so that's um, how does the league do it? You know because there's been talk. Of like doing something similar to the Premier League, where like the league has like a sponsorship deal with Sky, and then they distribute the money mm, okay. to the other clubs. And so there's been some talk of that. That'd be nice. Of like doing some like league deal. So who knows? But but I mean, just because it's been difficult, just because because you know Televisa owns teams and and. Just all these interests from from the yeah. TV stations that, because you know in England the, the TV stations don't own the clubs. You know they're they're more independent, and so that that's always been, uh, you know, a stumbling block. But I mean with Libertadores, who knows if they could they could work some type of deal out. Um, and I know, I don't know if you could do league wide because not all the teams are competing, but I don't know, man. Or, or maybe not league-wide, but at least for the teams competing where they could give them uh, a bit more money than they would have normally gotten from the TV deal. I think it's going to you know, require collaboration. I think if Mexico can get back into Libertadores and maybe have a more respectable network pick it up like ESPN or Fox, you know, it used to be on Fox Deportes, if one of those two networks can can secure a deal, uh, then I think you would get a lot more eyeballs, and I think it would uh, nudge both the Comebol and Concacaf region to to just work it out. But as of right now, we'll have to just see how Tigres do in this Club World Cup. Maybe they'll play against Bayern. Maybe they'll play against Palmeiras. We don't know. They have to get past the Asian Tigres. <laughs> and uh, we do have a listener, Carlos Diaz, says Tigres are not the team of the decade. They never will be. They're an institution that represents oh. Nuevo León, not Mexico. The new international embarrassment. <laughs> Thank you, Ouch. Carlos, for not, that. Not wonderful... a fan. Not a fan of the Tigres. Uh, you, you you mentioned something very interesting about getting a, cent, a centralized deal. There are rumors about a league-wide kit sponsor for Liga Mekis, similar to the way business is done here in the United States, where one you know manufacturer will provide all the kits for all the teams in the league. What do you think about that? I I. You know what? I like it. As long as the kids don't end up looking the same. 
Well, that's what ends up happening. You know, I've seen that with Adidas. They just have this little cookie cutter template and they put MS Paint on there with a little bucket that fills up the whole color. You know, so for like Chivas, they have stripes. Oh, okay, we'll put the white and red stripes. Oh, for Rayados, we'll do white and blue, but it'll be like the same template. You know what I mean? So I'm not a big fan of having one kit manufacturer because you, you kind of lose the creativity and the sort of identity of, of a club. You can easily have uh, a manufacturer just get so lazy because of the fact they have the entire you know, 20 teams at their disposal, fat contract, you know, what are they going to do? They can't complain because all 20 teams are with us. <laughs> so I, I yeah. feel like you kind of lose that, you know, because I'm not going to lie. Like some of the kits look nice, like Charlie stepping up. Um, I think Pumas is still sponsored by Nike, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's nice to see a little bit of like differences among the clubs. No, I I agree. I agree. My my one thing though with 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 the whole league wide sponsorship is if the smaller clubs get more money. True. You know because those are the ones that are still struggling, um, and they've been struggling for a long time, which is why we've seen so many NAS- clubs disappear and NASCAR jerseys. Know? <laughs> they got the but yeah, they, they got sponsors on their on the butt they got sponsors on the on everywhere man <laughs> <laughs> that's right they would and the cheeks um but yeah that's that would be my thing because yeah it would be nice for those teams to be more competitive you know um so that's that's yeah i, that's I think that, i think that's fair you know if it will benefit the league in terms of, all right, now it's more dist- better distribution of wealth. Having one manufacturer, every club gets, you know, maybe Chivas and America won't get as big of a cut as they used to with like Bumas and Nike, but like the smaller clubs will get a fatter paycheck, which in return will make the league more competitive and more even, which in, in return will, you know, probably generate more money. So I'm a, uh, that's actually a really good point. And um, I, one thing I would wish that they would centralize is the TV rights. You know, I wish they just had one collective deal with Univision or one collective deal with, you know, Telemundo. And then that way they can just sell all those TV rights to, uh, you know, fans in Europe, fans in South America, fans in, you know, all over the world. They can finally get to see what Liga Mekis is all about and why it's so dramatic, especially in Liga time. I think... It's such a shame that nobody really knows the league that well outside of, you know, North America. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? We were, you were talking about returning to Libertadores. Yeah. So they, they do have Enrique Bonilla, who was the former Liga MX president. And he's supposed to be working on a deal. Yeah, we heard about that. Um, Carlos also agrees with me. Said I do have to say Charlie has given a better identity to some of these Mexican clubs. I'd like to see less sponsors on the kits, centralized efforts, and emphasize the club identity. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of no NASCAR jerseys. And I remember when <laughs> when Chivas were sponsored by Atletica, which you know is a it's a it's a domestic brand, 
and they had some really nice kits. I think at one point for me, like the 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 peak was uh, two thousand four when they played the final against Pumas. They didn't have any sponsors on the kit. It was just the logo of the team, not even the manufacturer's logo on there. It was just literally the the badge, and that was it. And it's like one of the most beautiful kits I've ever seen. And it was des- oh, designed from Mexico, right? That's when um, Vergara had taken over the team and then the contract with whoever the whoever they used to be. I don't know if it was Alva Sport. I don't know who it was. Had ran out. And so then um, they made some generic shirts until they found uh, a new sponsor. A new, a new, yeah. a new, you know, a new company to make the jerseys. Yeah, they went to yeah, Reebok. You could get get your hands on one of those and i heard that it was reebok that had made the shirts but they hadn't closed the deal yet so they didn't put the they didn't put the reebok sign on it oh interesting yeah so i mean the, i just think like that's you know probably a collectible right there just a reebok from england if i'm not mistaken and it's like yo you know why do we always have to go externally you know mexico they are they make textiles. They, they're, 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 I mean, there's so much more identity, you know, if you have a, a home brand like Concord, Birma, uh, right now, Charlie is, is, uh, you know, domestic and they're doing a really good job. Obviously a lot of it's not being able to be shown off correctly because of the amount of sponsors on, on these kits, but overall the designs have been really, really positive and very good. Um, Kind of moving into match week four. I know we, we talked a little bit more about Libertadores and Club World Cup and all that, but I do want to bring it back home to some of the matches. Um, like I mentioned, uh, Necaxa and Tigres kicked things off on Thursday, uh, that 1-1 draw. And then on Friday, Mazatlan played at home against Pachuca. And uh, I actually watched this game because I had nothing else to do but watch uh, Liga Mekis on Friday. And Mazatlan actually looked really, really good in that first half. I was actually feeling pretty surprised how bad Pachuca are playing. They, they, they couldn't string more than two, three balls together, passes together in that first half. They looked really bad. And then in the second half, they started to, you know, pick up steam, but they weren't able to put away any goals. And, you know, if you're looking at teams that are in a really, really bad uh, rhythm right now, Pachuca is definitely one of them Uh, in their last six games, you know, counting back to last season, they have failed to win. Do they still have Palermo as coach? Uh, I don't think so. That dude left. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think he's the coach anymore. They have somebody else. Uh, I forgot his name. Pesolano, Paolo Pesolano. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, Palermo. Oh, rip. Yeah, so Pachuca off to a really, really bad start. And, um, you know, they used to have really good players, Lozano, Pizarro. Uh, no, I think they still have Burro, and they, I think they still have uh, uh, Gut. Oh, they had Eric Gutierrez, but he went to PSV. So I feel like they kind of stopped exporting players. 
Unfortunately, they still have Victor Guzman, which I wish Chivas would still try to get him back. Um, but yeah, just a really bad start to the season for for Pachuca and Mazatlan. With- Mazatlan's doing doing well. They've only lost uh, one, one game to Pumas. They tied uh, the super leader Santos, and then uh, two wins. Yeah, and then of course just recently beat Pachuca. It's because they had the home field advantage. They got fans in the stadium. Yeah, so three three uh, good results: two wins, one tie at home, a lost at uh, Seu. And uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens with Toluca away, which I think might be a little tough. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't hype them up too much. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, uh, Carlos Diaz says that there will not be any fans in the stadium. Next week, well, Mazatlan will be on the road against Toluca, so uh, I don't know if you mean like their next home game. They might not have fans, but um, yeah, they've had fans all season. It's obviously at a limited capacity, but they do they do have fans, and I'm sure that's helping them out. Let's talk about Chivas because, man, I've been down in the dumps and uh, very frustrated, and I want to get off this rant. Guadalajara at home on Saturday played against Juarez against some former players and some former coaches. Uh, Fernando Tena, Marin, Marco Fabian. They were able to beat Chivas 2-1. to one. They were up within 10 minutes of the match. They scored a second goal in the 29th minute and Chivas just looked like doo-doo butter out there. J.J. Mack was able to get back a goal, but a little bit too late, 77th minute. And in the end, uh, Chivas are on this downward trajectory, and uh, it's not looking good. They're, they're, they actually have very similar uh, statistics to Pachuca. They've now gone six games, you know, counting back to last season, without a victory. Are we in a crisis mode, Joel? Oh, we lost him. No, I'm here. Oh. I, I was muted. <laughs> I was muted. No, no crisis. No, no crisis here. Um, it's it's the same story, man. I just think it's lack of patience. It's it's frustration from fans, and it's just, you know, the team not being where Chivas fans would like it to be. But we've seen this play off so many times that as fans, we shouldn't be so up in arms. You know, it's it's the same thing over and over. Um, you know, like Charlie Brown trying to kick the ball and Lucy's going to move it, but he keeps falling for it. And And what I mean the same, it's like these bad starts and then right away it's a crisis. And and a big reason is because it's a short season. It's it's a, you know they only play a few games, so that's why it looks so horrible because the season is so it's you know it's half. It's not even a full season. It's just half a season. So you have you know two three bad games, and all of a sudden it's it's the team sucks, you know. And uh, I just I don't I just don't see it that way. It it just takes 
a long, you know, it, it could take long for a team to to work. Uh, so, you know, we always like to talk about Matias. When he arrived to Chivas, he came in at, what, five, six games in? And then he um, he had a few good games. I believe the team didn't, didn't even go to Liguilla. And then when he started his full season, he couldn't win a match until match week nine. So he went two months without a win. You know, and that's the guy I mentioned him because that's that's the you know the Lord and Savior for many Chivistas, and that's that's who they're all fighting for. And it's like, do you forget that he couldn't win? Um, yeah. How dare you? How did, dare did you? you <laughs> did they forget that his last two seasons there, he he finished what fifteenth and seventeenth? One season didn't even win a single home game, and, and this guy's gonna save us. That's because of mean, injuries. <laughs> That's because of injuries and uh, and loss of players. I will say I don't know. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but this uh, this Chivas lineup was pretty was pretty up there though, man. It was it's pretty like a top lineup. I think Chicote was the only one who wasn't in it. But I, I looked at that lineup and I said, man, this Chivas is uh, on paper is a powerful team, and then they end up getting. I will I will say that the goals by. Uh, by uh Juarez. Juarez was uh they're pretty good. I mean Oh yeah. There's some nice nice shots and the defense was caught like running back and so I'll give credit to Juarez for that. But uh yeah the, the lineup for Chivas I thought I expected more. Yeah you mentioned the lineup finally giving the people what they want you had Gudinho, Chapo Sanchez, Iramir, Tiva Sepulveda and of course, Ponce, he must be uh, buying hookers for Vucetich. I don't know, man. I don't know how he is still <laughs> in the lineup. You know, it's like that uh, episode of um, Club de Cuervos. You know, if you want to get into the starting lineup, you gotta you know gotta buy the coach a hooker. Uh, but Nene Beltran was back in the lineup, and of course Molina, Alexis Vega, Cone Brizuela, Antuna, and Macias. You know, I mean. No excuse. You you had, uh, you know, you mentioned Calderon. Calderon's not really a really good defense player. He's more like a midfield at this point. So, uh, yeah, he didn't even get any action. Um, and then Chivas made subs at halftime. You know, they put in Mayorga, they put in Chino Huerta, they put in uh, Pollo Brisueño, they put in uh, Angulo, and uh, also the the new kid Alan Torres. And uh, no, they just they just can't get it going. And this is such a short season with short-term results, very impulsive decisions. But Joel, you're saying that uh, Vucetich is is still in the in the safe zone. For me, he is. You know, I'm going off of Pelayas, and they just brought him. Let him finish the season. If if you think that he's not that good, I would let him. You know. Yeah, I would. Hoa's a fan. Hoa's a fan. Has been a fan of uh, Lucetich for a long time. He's almost like the the Chepo version 2.0. <laughs> so, oh. so, I'll agree with him though. But just, uh, just hey, like... that guy, that guy's that guy has uh, you know, his trophy case is full of bling. So, I, I, he's when's the last coach. time Vuce won a title? He won the first, the only title with. Um, 
Gallos was the um, he got them a Copa MX. Last last uh, silverware for uh, Bucetich. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Copa MX 2016. He almost he. I think in league in the league he took uh, Ronaldinho took them close to the yeah. final, right? To the final. To the final. Yeah. Uh, he, he got in, he beefed with Ronaldinho, with one of the greatest players ever. The the last league title he won was with Rayados in 2010. And obviously, he won a lot of silverware with Rayados. Uh, two league titles, three Champions Leagues, third place in 2012 for the Club World Cup, and the Interliga. So, but that, you know, we're talking about a decade ago, man. Like, yeah. I, it's... Well, Carlos, Carlos has some good uh, a comment that I guess you never, you sometimes we don't think about in Liga MX that Juarez, you know, as a team that has nothing to lose or like a, an underdog an underdog you just sort of like go out there and try your best or you know but you also, have to play up and then Chivas might know, be playing down but you know who their coach is fernando tena yeah oh, if yeah, anybody yeah. knows if so anybody knows the ins ins and outs of chivas that oh, yeah. would be the guy man that would yeah, be true. it's that like would be uh, someone they would know how to how to injure them it's like john gruden we, when we, uh when he took the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl against the Raiders and he knew exactly how to beat them because <laughs> he was their coach last <laughs> season. He knew all their flaws. He knew how to exploit them. And Fernando Tena must be feeling very good at home right now because he he left yeah. unfairly. Yeah, the yeah. back door. They showed him the back door, man. And he had he had gotten that big 4-3 win over America. You know, they they crashed out of the... Copa por Mexico. Copa por Mexico final, but I mean they made a final, should be good. Um before that the team had he had the team on fifth place, you know, gets COVID, can't coach the first two games, comes Three. back. Was it yeah, yeah, comes back, he loses and you're out. For <laughs> like, a was going on like crazy. Yeah. But I think like yeah, Lucetich is, is a quiet type of guy. I don't know how he is in the in the locker room. I don't know if he's like really motivating or like the. Uh... Well, but I mean, Pelias is there. He does a lot of the motivating. Yeah, with the team, like the before game. the game and stuff. Yeah, yeah Pelias is. Yeah, okay. yeah well, Pelias yeah, is the. Okay, so like, well, to Carlos's point, where if Chivas, you know, just thinks they're going to show up and win against a team like Juarez, then you know maybe that motivation or whatever you know is not lighting a, lighting a fire under them to go out there and. You know, play well, especially at home. I'll be back, chance. Okay, yeah, it, it it could very well be that we just happen to be in a very bad luck with these smaller clubs that again have nothing to lose. Happened to San Luis. San Luis looked very good against us. Juarez looked very good against us. Uh, Puebla, not so much. We should have won that game. Missed the penalty thanks to uh, Molina, but you know it. For me, it's just the the biggest concern is it doesn't get easier than this. You know what I mean? Our next mm. game is against Leon, and uh, they are the champions. So it's 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 like if you can't get these results against the Bravos of the club uh, of the world, how do you think we're gonna feel against Leon? You know, but who knows? Maybe maybe that will be karma. Maybe that will just be like balance. You know, um, Chivas will start to play up to these these bigger clubs. Um, all I know is. I think that the leash is getting shorter and shorter for Vucetic. I hate to say it. I hate to be on that Fuera Vucetic bandwagon. Yeah. 
But yeah, how much longer can you have this go on? You know, are you going to go an entire season without qualifying for Ligia when 12 out of the eight, 20 teams now is uh, eligible to get in? You know, we're in second to last place. It's, it's, it's like, wow, man, this is not good. <laughs> not good at all. I think somebody eventually has to get out of this habit that ha- that occurs in Liga MX of just like rotating coaches. Just when you go through a bad rut, just go through with the coach throughout the whole season. If you don't make Liga, then oh well, you went, you just stayed consistent. Because who's the guarantee? Like all of a sudden, if you change coaches, are you going to all of a sudden make Liga? Are you going to improve immediately? You still have the same players and stuff, unless you obviously know that okay, the coach is doing something that's totally crazy with the lineup, with the formation, with the uh, the tactics. Then go in there and do something, but. I don't think that's the case with a lot of these coaches. Uh, they just like they, it's just appearances or you know bad headlines. They can't take the pressure anymore. They got to get rid of the coach. I yeah I do I do I do agree with you that it's just such a vicious cycle. You get someone new, you get excited, they have a very good string of success, and then you know then it goes back back to normal or even worse and then oh, let's get rid of them you know i feel like tenure is is not not a not a word that is used in liga mekis and if you look at the most successful clubs in the world you know one thing that they have in common is they've kept their coach in las buenas and in las malas you know and and that's how you get success because you've had the same gaffer for a while and and eventually they just had the right group of players um conspiracy theory do you think the players are intentionally trying to get rid of Usatich? Maybe uh, he's lost the locker room. I have no idea on that. Unless, uh, you know, just like uh, maybe uh, we could do some Hector Huerta predictions and say that uh, Cruz Azul took some phone calls. <laughs> Cruz Azul player took phone calls. But yeah, I have no That's, you know, that I can't, can't say nothing on that. I don't think that's the case. I mean, I could see that happening. You you lose the locker room, and then the players will say, "Fuck it," you know. Um, he did. Uh, well, like, I mean, I'm trying to look this up because Carlos says that Vucetich uh, had some comments about the bad attitude, the con- lack of conviction and focus of the players. Did you recall his post game comments? Uh, I didn't stick around for the the presser, so I, I have no idea what he said after the match, but. Oh, he okay. Let me see. I got something here. It says uh, he calls out three players after the loss to Bravos. Mm. Uh, so yeah, he did. Uh, let me see. Exhibit problem, sin problema. Gilberto Sepulveda, Fernando Beltran, Miguel Ponce. Oh man, see, you guys are picking on El Pocho. Now Buse is picking on El Pocho, man. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, um, it, you can. It's Stevie Wonder. Can he? He will even be able to pick out that Ponce is just not. What is he doing, man? He he's not. He's not that good. I don't know why he continues to start for Chivas. Is it just because we we don't have a decent wing back? Um, Diva Sepulveda just. Diva Diva looks so bad out there, man, and he's young. And it's just like, man, he's just, he's not the one. And Beltran, yeah, he's still a little bit hazy. 
you know, lack of minutes, lack of fitness. I don't know what it is, but something's got to give. I'm not sure what's going on with Chivas right now, but um, yeah, he, go he ahead. said uh, he said the the mall, the the bad start was for lack of attitude, concentration, and conviction to um, to enter the game. You know, at 100, mm-hmm. percent and that's why he that's why he made the three the the three substitutions. Wow. So he's, I mean, maybe these players like he's just they're not putting their effort. They're not doing anything. It's like, you know, if you don't, even if you're like the big name guy, if you don't do your effort, you got a good coach, you're going to get benched. So it makes me wonder like what is happening in trading then, you know, cause what, why would you start them if just to take them out at halftime, you know, like, are they just doing a complete 180 from what you're seeing in training? You know, it just, it doesn't make sense. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. There's also some, I'm looking at another article. There's like some division in the locker room about even keeping Busetich. So oh. there might be some people, some players that not that don't like him, some players that do. Um, this is all like uh, according to sources, I think. So it might be a sort of, <laughs> it might be a Hector Huerta type of thing from uh, well, the king of the king of journalists, Alvaro Morales. I will say the one common denominator throughout all these years of Guadalajara's ups and downs is Conevisuela. Maybe he's the snitch. <laughs> Maybe he's just been that, that you know, he's be, he's been the coach's pet. You know, he's always the guy that the coach can rely on to just know, hey, he's doing this or he's doing that, and he gets a starting you know job every 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 week. Man, Cone has been in the lineup for like ever since he came on to Chivas in like 2013. It's just like man. And it's not because of like skill, you know, there's been, but we've had better wingers, but for some reason, man, he just makes the lineup every week. Um, as, as far as the, the locker room being divided, that's not a surpriser to me because there was a lot of fan, uh, a lot of players that were upset with Dena's departure. They weren't, they didn't agree with it. So I'm sure that a lot of them are still like, like, man, that was fucked up. And we saw the same yeah. thing happen with Matias. You know, when he left, a lot of the players were very, very um, resistant. And, you know, they had a clean house. They got rid of any traces of Matias in there. <laughs> they got rid of everybody that was, like, on that running, you know, championship team. Well, mostly everybody. Pulido, Pizarro, Pineda. I mean, if you look at that 2017 championship team, they, there's half of them are gone. More than I do recall. I do recall that uh, that team under Almeida. I don't know if it was towards the end or you know towards the high points of his career with Chivas, but the players were the opposite of what Fusatich is is describing. They're running like I say, running like with their head, like chickens with their head cut off. But in order, or in, with order, they're running like crazy, man. That Chivas team, especially against America, or you know, a lot of their games, they were just like non-stop hustling and running after all the balls and just the way they were playing was uh even though they might have not had the biggest name players or the awesome you know the great uh tactics and stuff just their hustle and work on the on the on the field was what got them some good results yeah which is not i don't think that's the same as what's going on right now yeah well I just know something's got to give soon. 
I'm sure Macias is looking at the rest of the club just like, what did I get myself into? I was king in Leon. We were close to winning silverware. Now I got to go back to Chivas and <laughs> it's just like a shit show. I might have missed my window to Europe now. I was linked with Dortmund and all these big clubs. And now who knows if anyone's looking at me anymore. You know, he's not scoring as many goals as he was with Leon. So it's like, it must be frustrating for him, you know, to be one of the best players on the team and just, just have to carry a lot of dead weight around. Um, very, very quickly, uh, so, someone in the comments just hopped on and, uh, you, you didn't miss the 260 to 269 episodes. We, we weren't broadcasting on YouTube live. We were recording them offline and then uploading them, uh, on anchor. And then from there, anchor distributes them to iTunes, to Spotify, to, uh, all these, like there's over 12, uh, podcast apps that host Cantina, you know, so you can, you can still listen to us. Uh, we're going to try and, and go back to the, to the live streaming. Um, but yeah, for our listeners out there wondering what the hell happened to the, you know, 10 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we're not so good at, at, um, that the streaming. I'm lost for words. The streaming uh, back in. But I'm, no, 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 man. Of communicating. You know, and of saying oh, yeah. some of the changes we were doing, we sort of just did it and forgot to. Yeah. You know. But we appreciate you guys for for listening live and uh, you know contributing to the to the comments and topics that we're talking about. We definitely miss this part of the of the show. Uh, going over more results in the league, Cruz Azul, are they back? They beat Gallos four one, very decisively. And I'm sure a breath of fresh air for for all the Cruz Azul fans out there. Um, sitting in eighth place now, with six points. The Juana had a very entertaining match against Toluca on Sunday morning. I didn't see it. It was a three-two, back and forth match. The uh, Juana scored all three goals within the first twenty-four minutes of the match. So. What is going on with Cholos, man? I feel like they're back. They're in second place now. Yeah, looking at the table, man, it's it's not what I thought it was going to be, you know? Um, I know the season is still young, but I, I did not did not see Santos at the top, you know? And uh, some of these other teams, I had my table, now it's gone, dude. Here it is. Yeah, I was not expecting. I was not. Now it's gone again. Okay, no, I was not expecting Santos to be, you know, at the top. Tijuana, yeah, as you said, two and Toluca three. Man, I was a big, you know, I was. A, I was not sure what Cristante would do because he was. He's been at Toluca before, um, but he seems to have. They bet on him, and so far, so good. And America, who I've I've bet against, I'm I'm a you know I'm a holder, I'm I'm a hold my shares. <laughs> and America not doing good. Um, so but they're in fourth, um, and then Mazatlan, the big the big, so far so good at six. So yeah, no, I wasn't expecting um, you know. I wasn't expecting some of this stuff, much much less uh, defending champs Leon to be all the way at twelve. Well. In their defense, and you can also speak 
with the same for Puebla and Monterrey. Uh, those games are pending because, you know, Rayados had 19 players get COVID. So this could easily be a completely different table, you know, with Leon winning a match. Uh, they'd, they'd have seven points and they'd be up in the in the top four, top five. And, uh, you know, Monterrey, they have six points. They have a perfect record. They could easily go to 12 and, you know, put Santos and Tijuana in the, you know, second and third spot. So there's still some pending, you know, matches to be played. Um, so it's not all finished yet. Santos, uh, like you mentioned, top of the league. They actually rescued a point at home, you know. Henry Martin scored early in the first half. And then Santiago Munoz in the 82nd minute tied things up. And uh, we talked about Leon uh, as of right now. Wait, before before you jump to Leon, man, uh-huh. I, I gotta say I don't know, I don't know, man. I thought Grupo Orlegi was gonna work their magic on not loss, you know, because do what what they're doing at Santos is very impressive. They might have a a season or two where they're a bit off, but they, they work a lot with youth, you know. But on average. This this Santos is always putting up a fight, uh, and for the last couple of years they've been you know relevant. It's more more where I would I think Chihuahua should be at you know you see Santos sort of like every so what they're they're fighting for a campeonato and it's with we could say with probably less of a budget. Um, so I was thinking yeah Atlas under Orlegi, you know. Probably their fans are gonna finally get to see uh, their team again competing, and and nah, man, I, that team's probably just cursed. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they are definitely a the ongoing joke. But yeah, you know, Santos, I agree, man. I think Chivas should try and strive to to be relevant like Santos. They kind of go through some crazy like um, roller coaster seasons, though. You know, they'll go and win a, a tournament, and they'll go back to obscurity, and then they'll win again, and then they'll go back to obscurity. But they'll do it in in shorter, um, yeah, in times. You know, with Chivas, it's every decade. <laughs> yeah, it's every ten years. Santos is every three or four years. Um, of course, one of the what makes it easier for them is that foreigners, so they could yeah. they could always go and buy two or three to strengthen that team. But I, I still think it's no excuse for Chivas. Um, I, I just feel they have to change the way they go about recruiting players and even scouting players, you know. I think they need to be more aggressive. And I feel that they're still lacking at that point, you know, as far as, like, finding talent before other teams and all of that. I, I think the, um, they dropped the ball big time, you know, because, you know, at one point you saw all of the seleccionados, all these top talents were all being churned out from Chivas. And then uh, next thing you know, it's it's Pachuca, you know, with with their golden generation. And and you see who's who's working Pachuca's youth, you know, who's who's work, who's doing their youth program. And it's it's it was the former Chihuahua guys. Westerhoff and Efraim Flores. Wow. So, it's, so you, you know, you go from having those guys employed to now paying millions of dollars to get to get youth players from, you know, from from a club that your former um, employees now work at. So I think uh, 
that's that's been some of the problems but uh good good for santos we've we praised them before and uh you know they deserve that yeah i almost forgot to mention uh chiquis is pumas maybe just because the game ended up in zero zero but uh, they played atlas zero zero you have any thoughts about that game chiquis man couldn't beat atlas dang man Last place team, last place team. It's like uh, it's like if we couldn't beat uh, Chivas, the second to last place. Team. Oh. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's that was. Uh, I, I had my phone. Of course, I wasn't watching that. Uh, I was I missed it, but uh, I had my phone and I was thinking, okay, when's this goal coming? And the time kept on passing by. I said, when the goal coming, man? This is uh, this is Pumas at home during the day when they're supposed to, you know, get the results and. And uh, and it never happened. The goal never came. So I was like, "Oh man, that's messed up." This is Atlas too. So <laughs> you know, but but I'm gonna say this about Liga makes even the teams that that are at the bottom. And I'm not just saying that Kachiwas is 17. Um, they're not as bad as as a lot of times they look. You know, uh, and so we've seen it before with with some of these teams that that suck one moment and then the next they hit a hot streak. I mean, I, cause, and I think a big reason for that is just the league, it's pretty even, you know, you're not going to see how you see in, um, in some of these other leagues where the first place team is a 30 point lead, you know, over like second place. You're not going to see stuff like that. A lot of these teams, they're not that, that far apart from each other. That's true. Although last season we did see refresher to that, you know, with both Pumas and Leon not really losing any any games. So yeah. they they did have Pumas. a significant gap between the rest of the league. Yeah, and Pumas was missing a couple players. So have you guys had your uh, your new guy make his debut yet? I know you guys got Gabriel Torres, you know, striker. We talked about him on the last episode. He's from Panama. He was uh, playing for Chile. And, uh, you know, you guys went into the big lots bargain bin from South America and just picked him out. (laughs) You know, I remember reading about him. I think a Brazilian club wanted him. Interesting. Panamanian international. Yeah, he's from Panama. And he's like, a, I think he's a big dude, huh? Like 6'2 or something like he's that? He's uh, 5'11". Oh, okay. I was... Yeah, but... um, got some wrong info, but... um, Replacing Cocoliso, you know, sold him yeah. to Tigres and um, Pumas in need of a striker, and they uh, brought him in on loan, and we'll see how it goes for him, you know? Yeah, we, oh, you know, we, we, we were talking about just how Pumas... You know, and, and I'm a seg- good segue because I was talking about she was lacking some of that aggressive scouting. And I feel Pumas has been on point with some of these players they've brought in, you know, Cocoliso, Dineno. And I wouldn't be surprised if this guy, although he's up there in age, but I mean, it, it doesn't matter, you know, if he, if he scores some clutch goals, keep, keep Pumas being competitive. Yeah. yeah, you must be thinking of uh, I don't, I don't recall from from national team play Gabriel Torres, but uh, Roman Torres, that beast of a dude. Remember him from uh, from Panama? Roman Torres. 
Well, I think a lot of those Panamanian players are huge, man. Yeah, that this, was one but this dude was muscular huge. This oh, guy was like this guy's a freaking tank. Jesus, this guy was like a, a Gucci Onyewu <laughs> type of huge, and he was the he was on the team. I don't know if Gabriel was as well when uh, when Panama lost and they came out with the banner saying that Mexico's a bunch of cheaters and stuff. <laughs> a gold, I think it was a gold cup final. Or, oh or yeah, they got, they got fined, weren't they, in the locker room or something? Yeah, they're in the locker room. <laughs> but that team was scary, man. That was that was, that was a little tough. That was they were some tough players there. Six two, two hundred pounds. This guy's a beast. <laughs> his, his other job is UFC. Is that the match where the the, play, the handball they called the penalty and and they were saying it wasn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I I don't know how people were defending that. This guy dropped. He had already lost like possession, and he decides to. He does some like KYSO move, where he decides to like fall back and try to land on top of the ball. <laughs> it's like that's kind of dangerous because you could you could land on the dude's leg, you know. Yeah, that was Torres, uh, I think. That's a fall right there, man. <laughs> but but there was a handball, and I remember, um, and it was surprising because there's a couple of Mexican commentators that were just like. Dude, they were just wanted like like they wanted to be some type of like um you know like like foul play, like some type of robo, some type of like, you know, cheat. And it was stupid because this was around the whole time of FIFA Gate and a big part of that FIFA Gate came from the US. So you really think Concacaf and Mex were gonna start cheating right there <laughs> in FIFA Gate? <laughs> And they're at the heart of where the investigation was coming from. It's it's just so dumb, man. And and um, and I remember when the because that was one angle, you know. There's different cameras. So the U.S. when they when when you see a Gold Cup game, when you're seeing um, if you're seeing it from from like Univision, any any from the U.S., the cameras are set on one side, so they hit the billboard, and they'll get the, the you know, for like the U.S. sponsors. And then the Mex is on the other side, and they hit the other billboards. So I remember seeing the the replay, I think it was from the Telesteca um, feed. And that one was more clear, and you could definitely see it. And I remember people linking that to the Univision guy, and he just stayed quiet. <laughs> it was like... Um, one little comment. I just read an article regarding... Libertadores in Mexico, Miquel Arroya. He's the president of the Liga Mekis. He was blunt about a possible return to Libertadores, and that is because uh, of the unequal conditions. And he says that Mexico will most likely not go back to the Comebol. We will not go if they continue to treat us unequally. We have more resources, more sponsors. And uh, despite that, we are at a disadvantage, and we should not accept it. And he says that uh, today we are the, one of the we are the tenth league in the world, and that implies that there is interest from both North and South in Mexican soccer as never before. And uh, Mexico has more to showcase in terms of income and competitiveness, so. Pretty interesting stuff. It, it, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> no, hopefully that's like a negotiation tactic. Like, I'm going to put this out here. Yeah. 
because I want because I know well, or you guys can correct me. I think Conmebol wants Mexico. They want the the money. Of course they do. Uh, that oh, Mexico sure, brings. Yeah. So so this is sort of like okay, I'm not going to go because you guys need to fix your stuff and I'm going to keep my money and all the benefits that I'm going to bring you until you fix your stuff and it's so so I hope it's like a negotiation tactic. Um because I mean not to say that I'm bad at negotiating, but I'd sort of be like that. I don't, I don't care if it is um unfair or if you guys going to make us travel and you're going to screw up our schedule and, you know, give us disadvantages. I just want Mexican teams to be there and, you know, we'll bend over backwards to do it. And then maybe even with all the disadvantages, if a Mexican team wins, it would be even more in an in your face type of moment for a Mexican club to go in there and win that tournament. But uh, yeah, hopefully it's a negotiation and it does happen in the near future. I think I'm getting hopeful that it might actually. Well, I mean, think about it from Gomebol's perspective, you know, what is the benefit of allowing this, you know, this this uh, the Mexican teams to compete, and 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 it's like okay, they're gonna bring more money, more sponsorship. Okay, I can see. And if it's enough money, that it's gonna make you sort of all right, all right, we'll let you back in. That's a lot of money. <laughs> but yeah. I think it has to be a lot of money because there's no other way that Guimboa will allow us to compete in that tournament otherwise. Because I don't think what, we have a good relationship with them. Well, I mean, but that's. The whole thing as well. Cornwall doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that's the money would come from TV rights. And so um, I don't know how that works into it. So, for example, Cornwall would sell the rights to the U.S. And I don't know if they have to distribute or what that means, you know? So that's where it gets complicated. Um, and I think that's where that's where Liga MX was trying to like get their piece of the pie when they came into negotiating into the U.S. And I think they wanted they wanted some of that. So I don't know. But then when we've seen TV rights, I mean, how much money is there, um, or how much money are they willing to pay? Because, I mean, not too long ago, Chivas couldn't even land a contract, you know? We were all thinking they were going to get this massive... They were thinking it too, you know? Chivas was thinking they were going to get about $120 million, I think it was, for like a five-year contract, and, and they weren't able to get it uh, just because how things have changed, you know? Um, when Disney acquired Fox, and then so... They dropped Fox Sports because they have ESPN and all of that caused some, some stuff. And then Telemundo was acquired by, what is it, NBC, I yeah. believe. And so all of those moves sort of like affected, you know, to an extent. And um, so I don't know. I mean, I know what, who is it? NBC, I think they paid a lot of money for EPL. Yeah, you know, but but EPL doesn't bring the the um, ratings that Liga MX does, uh, which know? is crazy because yeah. it's such it's you know it's one of the best leagues in the world, and I mean it's it's this is a English speaking country here in the United States, so any for for Liga Mekis to 
to outperform them in the TV ratings is is phenomenal. Yeah, and that's what Liga makes a sitting on, but I'm like, it hasn't really paid off, you know, not like they thought it would, and not really. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, kind of hard just because of the whole TV deal thing. It's kind of hard to see what, what it, they're not going to come out and tell us. So what exactly is it's a, Liga it, MX holding out on? Because even, even for rights within MEX, you know, uh, all of that stuff. But I do think, I do think it would, it would help them. Um, but I just know that it's, they're not telling us. We're not going to know. They're not going to be upfront about it. We need like Felix Gallardo of like the soccer. I don't know. We we need someone like him that can get everyone together and, and start, you know, cause I think that right now it's every man for themselves, you know, and it's, it's all scatterbrain. Like it's all short term oh, no. thinking. But what Jaime is not exactly every man. Uh, well, I know there's I like know you... ownerships and all that, but yeah, there is. So, the, so, but I mean, this is important to, to note because not so long ago, um, you had, I think it was Grupo Pachuca, Monterrey, and I believe um, Grupo Caliente. And I think they were all like forming some type of union. And I believe they were trying to acquire Fox Mexico. And they were trying to, you know, that's one of the things they were looking to do was like sell the Liga MX as a package. And that would have been yeah, how many teams there? Two, three, four. That's going to be like what? Five, six teams, you know? Yeah, as of right now, Rayados and uh, Tijuana and I believe Santos all are on Fox. Um, Chivas on Telemundo and then the rest are on uh, 2DN, Univision. So there's like, you know, I think ESPN might have some clubs too, Nick Oxide or something. So, But it's all over the place, you know? It's just... Just get everyone together. You're going to make more money that way. I just don't understand this whole, like, nah, you get yours, I'll get mine, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I I think it does, to an extent, it, it it's already preventing the league from taking that next step because they just, it's it, the league's not united, you know. Yeah. Uh, I do want to just acknowledge Chucky Lozano's amazing form. He's been on fire, scoring a lot of goals over there in Napoli. So very happy with his outputs. Um, I think Raúl Jiménez is still sort of like training. Uh, today I saw a sponsored tweet that he posted him in his kitchen and man, that, that scar is just so (laughs) concerning, man. It's, it's pretty bad. It looks like it, like from a distance, it looks like a, a barber just like messed up, you know, maybe they sneezed when he was getting a fade or something, but it's, it's pretty bad. But, but the coach was saying he might be ready to play soon. Yeah. He might be. I wonder if he's going to wear headgear. 
Yeah, I, I think right now my more concern would be, you know, his his mental state. Yeah. Is he going to be scared of being injured again? Yeah. You know, and, and would that affect him? Yeah, that's that's the big question is, you know, on those 50-50 balls, are you going to go up in the air or are you going to cower, you know? And... uh <laughs> I've been look. I've been watching a lot of EPL and Luis, uh, Luis, uh, what was his name? David Luis. Man, that guy's a little. He's a little thug, man. He, like every week, he's taking some player out. This guy needs to be in jail. <laughs> Freaking sideshow Bob, man. He's 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 injuring too many players. He needs to go. Yeah, and he's the he's the guy that injured, um, RJ. RJ. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, I thought he meant like there was somebody else that he he's probably injured more people. Oh. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, wolves aren't doing that well. They're uh, they're struggling. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, he's a big, he's you a, know, big part of their offense. Fourteenth position, twenty three points. I mean, that's that's not good. Um, not that far off from you know the bottom. So. Little bit of uh player abroad action. I know like unfortunately uh Linus got COVID just when he was starting to get some rhythm. Um Guardado continued to shut down rumors to the MLS, which is great. Oh, uh Layun did not go to uh Chivas. I was gonna say Chivas USA. <laughs> Cause that's that's what San Jose's turning 2.0. into, man. <laughs> yeah, two point uh yeah, uh there was rumors earlier last week um after the trophy signing that Layun was going to follow suit and I think it, uh, negotiations just fell through it was probably a matter of money you know um Rayel has paid a lot of money for for Layun so I'm sure they were trying to get some of that back and uh yeah I guess he's going to stay put at at Rayados but it was very close from happening didn't the lord and uh the Lord and Savior goes somewhere else too. Uh Matias, not official. No, he means trophy. No. I think he means trophy. No, no, Matias. Actually, Matias. The the oh, beautiful you... locks. The beautiful oh, locks. Right. He was. Uh, it was somebody said that. Hey, it's official. He was down to Chile, right? He he was going to coach uh, the national team of Chile, and they said, yeah. "Oh, like you're going to hear it within like I don't know, 24, 48 hours." Nothing happened. It was another rumor. Um, I'm sort of surprised by that. Like, I think Chile is a little bit too high of a level for oh, for all oh, of oh, So I was like, man, he did. He actually, you know, I mean, the springboard wasn't that springy, but that's sort of a little bit well, of. A... No, I, I I agree with you, Chiquis. I I do agree with you because I don't like for national team. I feel he would be a big gamble, mm-hmm. uh, especially. They're right in the middle of qualifiers, or the start the start of qualifiers, um, you know, because they're already doing their work of qualifying. Well, and and uh, that's the hardest region to qualify from. And this is a dude that, if you look at his record, he rarely is top of the table. He's usually mid table to low table. What? What he has benefited from is playoff systems. There's no playoff system for World Cup qualifying out of Colmebol. 
that's the top five and that's it. Anything lower that you just, you know, wait at home. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not saying it against him. I know I say these things and a lot of people think I'm anti, anti Mati, but if I'm with La Roja, I'm thinking, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if they play pretty. Uh, this dude's numbers just aren't there, you know, because he's not that type of coach. I think he prioritizes the style of play. Um, and we saw it with San Jose. He went, what, what was it, like two months or one month where the team was just getting ripped apart? 5-0, 7-0. I think they set a record of most goals allowed. Like in four games, like over 20 goals or something like that. <laughs> and, I mean, you you think that's going to fly in, in – you know, were they not watching? What would, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. When I see these rumors, I think it's more to do with his, this agent has always been good at, at that. Um, so uh, yeah, no, nothing has been mentioned. No, they said that was like three days ago where they said it's a, it's a done deal. They were saying, oh, it's a done deal. Uh, Comebol gets... Uh, five and then sixth goes to playoff. Okay, playoffs. So you would you would take that? I think they play Campbell. like some team from Oceania or something. Yeah, it's usually that. Um, so you're you're. I forgot they gave extra tickets. It used to just be what four, oh. and then the fifth went to the Pachaca. But I think. No, with the World Cup expanding, like every oh, yeah, I'm tripping. Gets... Four and a half spots. Gomkakaf gets three and a half. Uh, Africa gets five. Asia gets four and a half. Oceania gets half. Okay, there you go. And then the rest are Europe. So it's five, but but think about it. You know, yeah, that's pretty much Brazil and Argentina it's are cutthroat, man. Are usually guaranteed. So there's three tickets up for grabs because you got the big two, you know, big World Cup champions there. Yeah. So <laughs> you're basically fighting for three tickets. Um, you know, what's funny is uh, I was playing FIFA and uh, I got an offer from Paraguay <laughs> and I was like, damn, it's been like 10 years since they or more than 10, uh, 2010 was the last time they went to the World Cup, you know, like you, you, yeah. for, you forget how. Yeah, how hard it is to just qualify for the World Cup in in Comebol, man. Because well, yeah, look at Peru when they qualify, they yeah. have been what over. They've been what like I like think seventy was the last seventy something was probably the last time they were at the World Cup. Same with like like you know Colombia, right? Like Colombia, they had gone a long spell without going to the World Cup. Maybe not too long. Like I think like what ninety eight or something. Um. No, they didn't go to ninety eight. They think they ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah. Yeah, and then they missed out all the way till like I don't know, was it twenty fourteen? Yeah, twenty fourteen. The revelation of the World Cup was uh, James Rodriguez got that fat deal to Real Madrid, and then never heard from him ever again. <laughs> now he's playing for Everton. <laughs> uh, Carlos Ancelotti. But um, yeah, a lot of lot of stuff going around. I believe that's that's all we have for tonight, guys. Do you have any any other closing yes, my, thoughts? My closing thoughts, because I had to leave during our 
our Chiba talk. Oh, uh, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, I know Chiki's accused me of being a a big fan of of Buse. and you know, but but I'm not saying it as a fan. You know, I'm saying as far as saying let him finish the season because I think that's that's what we've seen at the club where where for too long that's been the how they operate. They bring in a coach, he gets about half a season, or they bring him at, you know, midway through the season, and then halfway through the second one, they fire him, and that's been the coaching carousel, pretty much. Uh, I think Almeida was just broke that when he was there for like two years. But I, if we bring a coach, let him, let him finish the season, you know, no matter how bad it gets. Right now, there's no relegation, so I don't know what, what, and then the relegation isn't even direct. You know, yeah. in Max, they're always changing the rules, so yeah. that's not <laughs> even an excuse. Let him finish it. You never know. I was making the point with Almeida how, when he started his first full season, he he didn't win till match week nine. You know, he went he went with eight games without a win, and I think if you add from the Previous season, it was like two or three more games, you know. So man, he had like string of like just not so good results, and so you have Busa right now, and it's four games, two defeats, two draws, and all of a sudden this seems to be, you know, the sky is falling. I just let him finish, you know. Give my verdict at the end of the season. I remember um, it was similar talk last season when they were saying how he didn't know what he was playing at and all this criticism and I say well that's kind of how he is he'll grind results but once you get to playoffs he he gets some pretty big wins and he did he ended up beating America that was huge huge results for Chivas especially you see Chivas head-to-head against America in playoffs and he he put a good fight with Leon that was a good you know for being the team that Leon is um, and I, so I think, I don't know, for some reason that doesn't convince people still, <laughs> you know, I, they see the team now and they think Busa sucks or Busa doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> and I get it. Cause you see the team play and then they play like crap. So we tend to blame the coach always. There was a, um, a quote I read a long time ago from Jorge, Jorge, no, Rafa Ramos. And he was saying, um, it was, it was to the national team, but I think it applies here. And he said, um, Mexicans have as much faith in the, the national team coach as they do in the Virgin Mary. And that's, that's almost like they're expecting a miracle, you know? And I, I think that happens a lot too, where when we see football at the club level and we, we're thinking it all falls down to just the coach. Yeah, I, you weren't there, I guess. But I agreed with you. I said, um, I think they should keep Buse for the whole season, no matter what. If they, you know, if they go bad or go up, just stay with him. You know, I'm sort of tired of as well as the with the coaching carousel. People need to sort of break that habit. Yeah, at least that that's that's and that's a good thing because then you could attract other coaches because there was a while where people didn't want to come to Chivas. They were changing coaches like every other week. Uh, you know, they're going to three, four coaches a season. That's that's ridiculous, man. And um, 
And so then what respectable coach is gonna wanna come to Chivas? Uh, they end up having to pay a lot of money because then they're like, I could at least cash out, you know? They sack me uh, five games in, I still get my whole two year fat check. But I mean, that's not why you want people coming in. And yeah. so at least, at least have it so that we're, you know, a respectable coach is gonna know that at least they're gonna let me work. And it's, you know, and I was saying the same thing since, since Cardoxo, you know, was there. You should sure remember Cheekies, we were part of some of these uh, discussions. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. fans didn't like him, but I'm like, he already came in, let him finish the job, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't do Cardoso, they didn't do it with Boy. It's a long, dude, that list is too long, man. It's it's almost like, who's gonna take that serious? And and we go back to when, um, who was it? There's a whole story of they reached out to Bielsa, but it's funny because they'll, they'll start naming these big name coaches and then the fans get mad when it's like a recycled Liga MX. All right, what's your track record? What big name coach is gonna wanna come? Yeah, nobody. That was that was that was my rant. <laughs> break, break break the cycle and uh, oh, you know, just just yeah. Jaime Jaime went to take a take a break. So okay. So yeah, I guess we're so we're winding it up. Um, while he uh uh takes care of business. <laughs> He'll <laughs> be here shortly. Thanks. Uh, I guess we can say thanks to our homies on the chat, uh, Carlos Diaz, who's been given a lot of information. Good, uh, good to see Carlos on. Uh, Luis, who uh, we remember Luis from previous uh, streaming episodes. Um, so we're glad to glad to be back, as well as someone two twenty, um, a previous listener as well. One up, one thing that uh, you know people don't think about is okay, you have a problem with Vucetich, you get rid of him, you have another problem. Who the hell do you bring in? <laughs> and it's like, and that's like another issue, you know, because it's like, all right, you're gonna have the intern coach for a couple, you know, games, and then you have to scramble to see who's available. And it's like, yeah. I I do understand that like you know different styles make different teams. You know, maybe Vucetich style doesn't fit. Chivas, and uh, then you start thinking like, and wait, and you know what? And that's a good point you're bringing, and that thought right there would would be on on Pelias because he built that team, so he built a team to to you know that he wanted to play a certain way, and then he brings a coach that is the opposite, you know. So then, I man, as much as I like Pelias, that's on him, you know. The, like the disaster would be on him. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was probably his call to get rid of Dena, and it was probably his call to bring in uh, Vucetic. And, and we still don't know what happened with Dena, man. I, yeah. I'm keeping my tab on that. We will know one day. I mean, it might be five or ten years. Maybe it will be on the All know. or Nothing show on Amazon Prime because <laughs> Chivas were filming. All or nothing, Chivas. I'm excited for that when eventually that drops. Um, but I, I'll, I'll throw a few names out there, and this will be my closing thoughts. Diego Alonso, he resigned uh, by mutual consent with um, Inter Miami. You also have Turco Mohamed, 
there was one more name. Oh, Gonzalo Pineda. I'm I'm all I'm a fan of all three of those. Why not? If you had to bring someone I mean, in, Mohammed did say he would work with Pelias again because Pelias did boot him from America. Gonzalo Gonzalo Pineda got uh got Americanized, man. I have my I have my doubts he's gonna be coming back. <laughs> I would love it. He, he turned fresa. He turned gringo on us, man. You're saying that because he turned down Pumas. Did he? Uh, That's probably maybe. the best thing to happen to Pumas because you landed Liliani, who I think is a uh, good coach. Yeah, I, I, that might have been in the back of my mind. I didn't I didn't remember that, but uh, <laughs> no, I think he's like he's loving it, man. He's loving the U.S. He's loving. He is. He made some comments about. Wait, was he making the comment or was it me? No, it was me. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I was. <laughs> no, no, I was saying how if we look at the track record for how long a Mexican coach, especially a, a young one that's starting, how long they get, and it's usually about a month. You get about four, maybe six games. And if the team doesn't do good, you're out. And we saw it, you know, we saw it with, um, uh, what was that dude? He was at Puebla, was that, um, it was- Sergio um, Bueno? La, no, no, La, La, La Volpe's prodigy, man. He was, I think his prodigy. son-in-law, I think it was Chiquis- Oh, Chiquis Garcia. Chiquis Jr. or something. But there was a few and- Chava uh, Reyes Jr.? A, a few coaches, no, no, there was, uh, I think it was the Chiquis. But there was a few that we've seen, and they just, they just, you know, the league is just not very forgiving. And so in that extent, and I'm thinking if if he lands a, a gig in MLS, he's greater chances that at least he finishes the season. than if he goes to, you know, if he's in Liga MX, and then he gets canned. We need... It sort of drops... Yeah. Sort of drops your value, man. You. <laughs> we need one of two things. We need either someone similar to how things are going for Manchester United with Ollie, Ollie Gunner. You know, he was part of the club, legendary figure, and he knows what Manchester United represents. Maybe we need someone like Ramon. I mean, I don't know. Ramon Morales doesn't really have much experience, but maybe we need a player coach like that. You know. Someone that they, is a legend. You know, that was that was talked about, Jaime. That was talked about long ago of wanting to put some, you know, it was supposedly in the Chiva plans, and, and we're, we're going back more than ten years. And that was to have some of the former players that wanted to get into coaching as part of the coaching staff, and then sending them to get like training and all that, so that when the time came, they could take over the team. But as we saw with Vergara, man, he sent so many players. Yeah, he did them dirty through the back door. He he humiliated them, you know. Yeah. And then the player that became a coach, um, Tiburon, you know, he was. They sent him to uh, Colibríes. Was it? I keep forgetting the name, man. It was the team owned by Higuera, and he took him to the final, and and then um, he got sacked. <laughs> Right the next day, man. Not even a full day after taking that team to the final. They lost in penalties to Necaxa. And um I keep forget dude, I keep forgetting the name. I just 
not colibrias. It's, they had a dude. Their badge was a dude with like a looked like a gaucho hat. Hmm. Did you guys ring a bell? No. No. Anyways, and that dude didn't seem to be able to find a job, man. You think they would have brought him back and been like, "Okay, we're gonna have you as coaching staff," but nope. They sort of forgot about him. Yeah. So um, for me, I think like you either got to go internal, you know, former, former legend from from Chivas. You know, someone like Ramon Ramirez would be nice. Someone like Gonzalo Pineda would be nice. I, what I don't want happening is like someone like Paco Palencia. <laughs> you know, um, no disrespect disrespect to him, but you know, it's just it's just not panning out for him. Um, you either do that, or you you go out and you get someone from South America that you you know just brings some different dimension to the club and to the league, you know, because I feel like you do get stuck in this coach coaching carousel, this recycling of coaches and then nothing changes, you know, because it's like the same old freaking same, you know, it's the same coaches, just new, you know, same shit, different day. Um, Carlos Diaz mentioned a name that I haven't heard before. Gustavo Poyet to Chivas. Um, Semi uh, Uruguayan striker. He's uh yeah he's uh from Uruguay. He was a midfielder. His last coaching stint was Bordeaux in 2018. But yeah, you know, coach from Uruguay, a coach from Argentina, a coach um from South America, and or you know maybe bring back Van Chip. Van <laughs> Chip. I know he still keeps tabs with with Guadalajara. That was probably his highlight of his back. career. Yeah, most definitely, man. All right, boys, we're going to wrap this up. We want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers on tonight's special episode. We're definitely going to try and go back to the old ways of streaming live our episodes. But in case you wanted to catch up uh, on those 10 or 20 episodes that you guys missed out on, they are excuse me, they are available on Anchor, they're available on iTunes, on Spotify. There's a bunch of uh, podcast apps out there, and uh, you can you know listen to them whenever you like to, and uh, and yeah, that's gonna be it for tonight, guys. Hope everyone has a great night.